Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 127. In today's test drive, I want to talk about building an email list. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, this is a show for nomadic entrepreneurs, people who are trying to build their business or already building a business while traveling around the country or the world. When I first started blogging back in 2011, building an email list seemed like the holy grail. It was something that everybody talked about. And I remember one author specifically saying that once you hit 10,000 email subscribers, that's when publishers start coming to knock on your door or bang down your door, basically wanting to sign you for a book deal if that was your goal in building a email list. If you were building an email list for a different reason, like selling a product, this wasn't really relevant. But the whole point was email list was the thing to do. Now it seems like a lot of people are focused on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and growing platforms and other areas. However, I wanted to specifically talk today about why I think email still really matters and just share some of the things that we've learned as we have gotten to our 10,000 email subscriber mark. We're currently at like 10,700. Not that it really matters. It's kind of semantics. But the whole point is just wanting to share what we've learned while getting to this point. All right, let's get into it. First of all, why does email still matter? Number one, you own the list. Unlike other platforms that are constantly changing, like we have a lot of friends who do YouTube. And one thing that they say is that they're kind of at the becking call of YouTube. If YouTube changes its algorithm, uh, maybe their videos get ranked lower. And if tomorrow YouTube shut down, it's not going to. But if it did, uh, you know, all of their community could go with it. So unlike other platforms, email, you actually own the list. Even if an email provider shuts down, you still own the list of emails and people who have subscribed to you. So it is yours forever and always. Another reason why email still is relevant is because it's more conducive for linking up and call to actions than some other platforms. So if you have 40,000 followers on Instagram and you post a blog, for instance, and you let people know, hey, go check out the link in my bio, it's just not as easy. You can't like post a link in a description of a photo. So a thousand email subscribers could often out yield 40,000 Instagram followers if you're trying to get people to like click on a link or something like that. So that's like one reason why email is still relevant because just a higher amount of click-throughs than uh, some of the other platforms if you're building a community and your goal is to get people on your site to buy a product or take some other type of action, hire you for your client services and things like that. And lastly, email is still relevant because people are still in there every day. I haven't been around for a super long time as far as building an email list forever, but when I hear people talk about email, they say, uh, you know, back in, I guess, early 2000s, email click-through rates were really, really high. Now they're not as much as they were. But at the end of the day, people are still using email every day. I'm in Slack and I'm in email. So even though I don't click in my promotions tab where a lot of emails typically go if I'm subscribed to the list, I'm still there all the time. And occasionally I click in uh, and we can still see the numbers for a good amount of people who are still clicking in and reading emails on a day-to-day basis. So it's still an important platform. And it's a way that you can engage people in a meaningful way because they're already sitting there and they're already in their inbox. All right, so email still matters, but I want to get in and just share really in no particular order some of the things that we have learned while working to get to this 10K subscriber mark. That was kind of a big goal for a long time for us, 10,000 subscribers. So some of the things that we've learned while getting there. 
Number one, the email marketing software doesn't matter all that much. This is something I kind of fixated over in the beginning. Some people like MailChimp, we use ConvertKit. Uh, you have to pay for an entry-level account. I think it's 30 bucks a month. For a long time, we used MailChimp because it was free until you hit a certain subscriber level. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter who you want to use. Read the pros and cons and things like that. I'll link up to some uh, references in the show notes on this page. But at the end of the day, it's just a tool and it's not going to make or break you either way. Number two, create an opt-in on your website that is so valuable you feel that you could charge for it, but don't. This is one of the biggest mistakes that we made early on. I remember specifically our first year on the road, we started our blogs and we had an article that went out and it was on the front page of Yahoo and CNN. And we had thousands of people hit up our website. And I remember like 10 people subscribed up for our, you know, remind me of new email notifications, like little summary on our widget on the side of the page. There was no opt-in. And what an opt-in is, if you're not familiar, it is giving something away for free, like a ebook, a PDF download, a free seven-day course. Doesn't really matter. It's something to entice people to sign up for your email list. We didn't really have one. We just said, put in your email and we'll send you our newsletters when they go out. Well, nobody really cares about that. And so that was something I felt like there was this big missed opportunity because we had a lot of media go out and nobody signed up for our email list. So we wanted to fix that. We created an opt-in called How to Travel on Two Grand a Month. Uh, it was a seven-day course, everything we learned about how to travel cheap around the country. And it was something that you know some people might even charge for because I spent a lot of time putting, uh, it was like 2,000-word emails that go out in this course, audio lessons as well, Excel spreadsheets as part of this, and we gave it away for free. And as a result, that has been kind of the flagship free thing that we gave away that allowed us to hit this 10,000 subscriber mark because people come to our website interested in RV travel or maybe how much it costs to go to every state. And then we've got this really relevant thing that they can go and download that's relevant to that thing that they came to our website to read. The majority of people, when they land on our blog, they're not looking to like put in their email. They're just trying to get some information and leave. But some people want to stick around because maybe they're in this researching phase of wanting to buy an RV, for instance. So creating a really valuable opt-in is really, really important. Number three, once you have an opt-in, find relevant blogs who can help you promote that opt-in. I think this is really relevant, especially if you're just getting started and you don't have a lot of people coming to your website. So once we had created that how to travel on two grand a month email course, I found 25 other blogs in the RVing niche. And I went and asked all of them if I could write a blog on their website and share our experiences from our first year of travel, some of the things that we had learned. It'd be a unique piece of content for their website. I had relationships with at least a few of them already. And I asked them if I could write the post, and many of them said yes. I think I probably end up writing like 12 or 13 of them. And then I linked up to the free course in some of those guest blogs. And so this was a good way to start getting some momentum. I wrote a blog that was valuable for this other person because I wrote a guest post for their site. Then I linked up to our free email course for people that wanted to kind of learn more and things like that. Number four, this is more after somebody actually signs up for your list. But when actually writing emails, the best kind of copy feels like you're talking to your best friend. When I sat down and wrote the emails for the seven-day course, I actually wrote them and I typed in, hey, James. James is my best friend. And if I was talking and having a conversation with him, I would talk in a certain kind of way. Like he was sitting right there in front of me and I wouldn't try to be stuffy and over the top and try to act like I knew everything. I would just be like, hey, James, how's it going? I want to talk to you today about why I'm excited for uh, to share this course with you. And obviously it would sound a lot better than that. 
But the whole point is, if you're more personable with people and more real and more honest, it just feels like you're sitting there talking to a friend. And that's the whole idea. And what that does is it keeps people around. It keeps them engaged because it feels like another person is on the other end of that. So this isn't necessarily something that's going to maybe get you more email subscribers. It very well could be because of word of mouth, but it definitely will keep people around on your list longer, which helps the unsubscribes go down. Number five, just because you can put a pop-up on your website definitely doesn't mean that you should. Everybody has an opinion about pop-ups and whether you should or shouldn't put them on your site. The whole point is I find lately when I'm on websites and I, especially on mobile, because most of the time you're looking at blogs now on mobile, it's just very intrusive. It makes me hate the website if I get a pop-up a lot of times because I'm trying to read something. So we had experimented with pop-ups on various occasions, and ultimately I ended up removing them from our site, and we didn't really see a huge downtick in email subscribers. Again, you may go out and find data that contrasts this on both different sides. It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, I just realized how I felt whenever pop-ups came into the picture, and it made me hate the website. I could have, yeah, maybe we could get a little bit more email subscribers from pop-ups, but I don't want people to hate me. Uh, or think that I'm just trying to be too pushy. That's just not how I want to do things. So I'll gladly get a little bit less email subscribers if that is the case uh, and just not have obtrusive pop-ups that make people want to punch me in the face. Number six, if you have built up a following on Instagram or YouTube, find a way to translate that audience over to email. Our friends Karen Nate have a YouTube audience of about 140,000 and they have ran a couple giveaways. They've given away like a drone and another thing. I forgot what it was, but it was something really valuable. And they ultimately enabled them to bring people over from one platform to their email list. So these are still engaged members of their community, but maybe they only followed them on YouTube. And so here they were offering an incentive and a giveaway to go follow them on another platform. So this is a really good way to make sure that you're kind of diversifying. So that way you're hitting people up on a lot of different places because sometimes people are in their email, sometimes they're on YouTube, sometimes they're on Instagram. And if you can find a way to translate that community across platforms, that can be a very helpful way to do it. Number seven is to run giveaways. This is something that we hadn't really done in the past. And I would say it's definitely not something to abuse because if everybody on your email list is signed up through giveaways, there's a chance they might not be engaged and loyal to you because they're just trying to get free stuff. But we have experimented with this a little bit in the past year and found some success in uh, giveaways. So we gave away a WeBoost cell booster. I believe we got somewhere between uh, 500 and 1,000 subscribers from that. And we used a platform called Gleam.io for that. That was the name of the software. And essentially, it creates a really slick landing page. Uh, and you can ask people to tweet, follow you on Twitter, follow you on Pinterest, uh, subscribe to your email list in all in one place. So Gleam.io was the tool that we used for giveaways. Number eight, once a post on your site is getting some kind of traction, create a unique opt-in for that specific post. For instance, Alyssa hosted a episode on the podcast on Pinterest. There was a lot of really tactical takeaways for people who want to get started on Pinterest, how to grow, um, get traffic to your website from Pinterest. So Alyssa created a Pinterest starter guide. So if you go to heathandalyssa.com forward slash Pinterest, shout out to that link, uh, you can actually download that Pinterest starter guide. And we had 150 people subscribe to that from that one podcast episode. And so this is something that you can do for blog posts in general as well. So if you notice that one post on your website is getting a lot more traffic, instead of just having a generic opt-in to get your free ebook or a PDF, you can create something specific to that post. So for instance, on the post that we have on how much it costs to visit all 50 states, 
we have an opt-in for our how to travel on two grand a month course. Cause this is very relevant. If you're searching how to travel, how much does it cost to travel to all 50 states? There's a good chance you're trying to figure out how can you travel to all 50 states on a budget. So it's relevant. And I heard a statistic from my friend, Brian Harris, that if you have a more relevant opt-in on a post, it is 14% more likely for somebody to translate to an email subscriber. So for instance, versus if it's generic. And lastly, number nine is just to experiment. One thing that's remained a constant for us is that we're always trying new things. For instance, we decided instead of charging people online to watch our RP Entrepreneur Summit live stream over the past couple of years, we gave it away on Facebook for free. And then after the conference, Facebook isn't really conducive to rewatch live videos. It's kind of hard to sift through. It's harder than YouTube. So we put them behind a teachable course and you can go to heathandalissa.com forward slash summit and put in your email and watch all the videos from our live stream. And this has helped us build an additional over a thousand email subscribers just from doing this little thing. So if you're, if you're running an event that's online, you know, asking people to put in their email is a really good way to do that. And again, we could have charged people to go online and watch these videos in real time. And maybe we would have made a little bit of money, but at this point, we're still trying to have more people join our community and be part of what we're doing. Uh, and so that's been a very intentional thing that we have decided early on. Do we want to get a thousand email subscribers and then just try to like monetize, monetize and sell, sell, sell? Or do we want to try to build something long term that maybe we don't make as much on the front end, but we are able to build a bigger community? And so that's been how we've made a lot of our decisions is try to get more people as part of what we're doing. And email has been a very big part of that. Uh, we actually that how to travel on two grand a month course spurred off our Facebook group, the RV entrepreneur Facebook group, which started this podcast and then our conference and email was really the kind of the core thing that helped build a lot of that. So email still matters and it's still super relevant. And I hope this test drive was helpful for you guys. I'll see y'all next time on the RV entrepreneur podcast. 